Do you love someone struggling with an addiction? Have you felt like it's your fault? Are you exhausted from sleepless nights, from being lied to and manipulated? And are you frustrated from arguing and fighting with this person when you're only trying to help? Well, it's time for you to step off the addiction roller coaster for good and learn a solution that works. Join addiction experts, hosts of the popular podcast, The Addiction Solution, and authors of The Freedom Model for Addictions, Mark Sharon and Michelle Dunbar, to learn a solution that will provide you and your loved one freedom from the addiction battle for good. It's called Families Moving Past Addiction Masterclass, and it's a three-hour live online exclusive event where you'll hear information about addiction we guarantee you've never heard before, and that's great news. If you love someone struggling with an addiction, then this masterclass is for you. For more information or to enroll, click the link provided and register soon for the date that works for you because each class will be limited to just 50 participants so we can best serve you. Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar. Enjoy listening and watching as addiction experts Mark Sheeran and I cover controversial as well as helpful topics on addiction, how to move past it, and other related subjects. As two of the co-founders of the Freedom Model, Mark and I will give you a completely new perspective on the topics that matter to you. We will take to task the Recovery Society's lies and misinformation and replace them with facts, research, and the methods to move on from addiction struggles without 12-step meetings, rehabs, and the shackles of endless recovery. Let's escape the treatment and recovery trap together and learn to be free. Welcome to the truth. Hey, everybody. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast. Podcast. <laughs> I'm Michelle Dunbar. And I'm Mark Sheeran. And we co-wrote with Stephen Slate, our colleague, The Freedom Model for Addictions, Escape the Treatment and Recovery Trap. And... and Yes. The and, Freedom Model for the Family. Yeah, that's right. And uh, right now you can get the book for free and you can also order the workbook, which we've never had in the past open to the public. That was just something for our coaching. Um, so if you want that, go to the link tree and click yes. on free book offer. Free book offer. Now, you probably heard in the commercial just before this, unless you fast forwarded over it, which was cool because I'm going to tell you about it anyways. Um, we are doing, we're starting a new um, offer for help for families. And it's, it's something that we've done in the past where I used to do these two-day family workshops where families would fly in from all over the country and work with me for two full days on a crash course in the freedom model and how they can, by viewing addiction differently, by viewing it as what it truly is, by learning the research, um, how they can, you know, provide more help and support, more effective communication um, with their loved one. That's right. And, uh, you know, who might be still struggling. And it's also great for if you are doing the freedom model and you have family steeped in 12 step, or maybe they, they don't know much at all, but they're just wondering why you're not going to meetings anymore. They're wondering what you're doing. Um, this is, it's not a two day thing anymore. This is going to be just a, a three hour webinar, live webinar event, 
um, where Mark and I will be, you know, giving uh, lessons. Yeah, we'll um, teach the family how to how to improve relationships, um, how to deal with somebody that's still getting high, how to deal with getting them a solution teaching them that addiction isn't a disease and why that is. And it's not progressive and incurable. So right. you're not a ticking time bomb right. like they've been led to believe. I mean, all, all the all the mythology, we're going to cover all the main ones. Yeah. Uh, and and because here's the deal. If a family knows that it's a hopeful situation and they have that knowledge, it lowers the panic and good decisions can be made. Yes. And what treatment does is it heightens the panic and fear level to a crescendo. And then people make families tend to just throw dollars at the problem. And the person then gets caught in the, the treatment and recovery trap. So we want to pull them out of that by calming the situation with facts, good research, our 34 years of experience, which is vast and massive, um, and, and really uh, help families solve this. Well, and a lot of times too, the the treatment industry and twelve step programs actually harm relationships and push people apart. They they there tends to be this divide uh, and conflict. yeah. Well, and people just the the trying to control each other factor becomes overwhelming in a relationship, and and it can become abusive. Uh, you know, on both sides. So, um, so we want to, by dispelling all that misinformation, um, it actually, like Mark said, it takes the panic level down and, and it just gives people a different perspective, um, which, which can help them make really sound decisions. Yeah. A solution. Yep. So, but what we're going to talk about today, we still have this handy dandy list from you great fans. Um, and I took off my glasses, so let me put them back on. Um, this is a great question and we get this a lot, even when understanding, it's really, it's really common. Yeah. Even when understanding the freedom model, is it normal to revert back to old behaviors such as heavy substance use occasionally? So. So the answer is it, it happens. Yes. Oh yeah. It's and, and extremely common. Yeah. I would say, especially in the beginning. Yep. Um, so what we're talking about here is the difference between an intellectual understanding of something and an emotional understanding coupled with the intellectual understanding and a real change in preference. Right. But I don't think the change in preference can happen without an emotional understanding. I agree. Right. I agree. Yeah. Something that, that, um, so, so let me explain something about humans. So our beliefs drive our emotions. So our intellect, in other words, our intellect, the, what, what we think about a situation is going to frame out how we feel about that situation. And this is something that a lot of people don't know because they assume that they are just run by their emotions willy nilly and what they feel is real. And, and they just, they don't understand that it's belief based. Let me give you an example. If you have a relationship with somebody that's abusive, you could still believe that they love you and maybe they don't, right? And But your belief keeps you in that relationship. Meanwhile, you're being severely abused. And so your belief is they love me. Therefore, you have an emotional attachment to that person. Therefore, you stay and it's worth the beatings. Mm -hmm. um, 
and you're lost. Obviously, there's something amiss in your belief system and the intellect side of it, the the uh, belief side of it. Something's faulty there. And that is you're not recognizing that this person really probably is more about control than love. I'm being in, I'm not saying that every relationship that's abusive is is devoid of all love. But in this example, I'm trying to say that that's the case, that the person is just a very mean, narcissistic, abusive nightmare. Right. Totally about control. And uh, so so your belief that I, you know, John loves me. Drives an emotional reaction when you think about it and you say, I need his love and I feel it. And he maybe once in a while smiles at you. And so you grab a hold of that mm. and maybe you have good sex and you, you hang on to that and you interpret all of this as, as the love. And, and then your life and this relationship ends up being catastrophic and sad and painful. Yet, yet all of this, if you look at it, is run by the beliefs that you hold about that situation, accurate or inaccurate. Mm -hmm. And then you have an emotional situation that develops from those beliefs. So always there are two things associated with human behavior. And that is an intellectual side, which is I, I get, this is my belief. This is what I understand about a situation. And then slowly over time, you will build a preference or not a preference for that situation. And so when people say to me, I understand the freedom model, I've read it twice, and yet I still drink and drug, that just tells me you have, you, you intellectually understand the material, which is the first part. Yep. But it hasn't <clears throat> switched over to knowing it enough that it becomes an emotional thing. Because you need both. Because humans make decisions based on emotions and their intellect in concert with each other. The positive drive principle tells us that if we don't see an emotional happiness motivation. Oh, that's really great. Yeah. You're not really going to move in the direction of what your intellect is telling you. You could say, yeah, I, I really sh shouldn't be drinking and drugging and, and I know it's a choice and I know it's not a disease. And this is all intellect. This is belief. But that's the first stage. You need that. You need that. That's what the book provides. Yes. But the book can't make you feel an emotional attachment to, I prefer not drinking and drugging because I'll be happier. That second part mm. is an inside job. Yep. Now, I'm sorry to keep talking. No, uh, but, no, no, but, no. This is good. So what, what happens is sometimes because the propaganda <laughs> of alcohol and drugs is so profound and has been practiced for so long in the individual, let's say you, that you have a real emotional attachment to the mythology. So you read the book once, twice, you, you maybe watch some podcasts and you're getting it, you're getting it, you're getting it. But the information isn't so profound yet that there's an emotional switch. Right. And that is a change in preference. That's right. A, a happiness based, beneficial based switch in your intellect. So your, your intellect is saying, I shouldn't want to do this anymore. I get it. I mean, and, and, and we hear this all the time. But 
the amount of information sometimes that it requires for you to study to undo the propaganda beliefs and emotions that are associated with that may take a bit. Well, I, I like, let's go back to the, the, the lover partner scenario, because, you know, you can, everybody's, well, not everybody, but a lot of people have had a, a very strong emotional relationship, right. With someone and, and you know that you're not great together, but you've been together a long time. And, and so you, you leave the relationship but you keep going back to the well every once in a while, right? Like I think most people have a person like that, right? And 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 you just know you're you're just not great together, but every once in a while you want to just go back to it. And re- maybe remind yourself about, well, there was some good there or maybe remind yourself no, this isn't good anymore. So it's part of a learning process. Mm-hmm. It's part of the process of changing our preferences and realizing, I, I mean, I think, there, there, look at, there's so much there. That's why I always call it you know, the layers. It's like an onion, right? So so the more you learn, the different, the different ways you experience things, And so each time, as long as you're mindful, each time you go back to the heavy use, Mm -hmm. you can really start to question it. Like, "Mm, how much do I really like this? So I think in some respects, it's like an experimentation process. Um, It's uh, this also can go along with running that abstinence experiment where okay, I'm going to be abstinent for a period of time and I'm going to really see, am I happier abstinent? Well, let's, I want to jump in there because I've noticed on the group, for example, people mindlessly are doing the, the abstinence experiment. That, right. that's, that's pointless. Yeah, I mean, that's, where that's, you're just, you're just putting days together. Yeah. You start counting days. That's, that's recovery. That's recovery. You don't, that's completely a waste of your time. Uh, you haven't changed your preference. You don't have a motive to change your preference. You're not willing at that point, maybe to, or you just don't know. Maybe well, you just have a lack of knowledge as to, 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 to be mindful of. Am I going to be happier? Well, the, like the first couple of days that you quit a habit, it, it can feel in some respects like okay, I'm depriving myself for the first for the first little while. But look at. It doesn't, you don't have to view it that way. That's really important. Okay. You can view it like, okay, I'm going to run this experiment of not doing this behavior. Um, and, and, and really mindfully explore how you're feeling, what you're thinking. Do you, am I feeling deprived? If I'm feeling deprived, why am I feeling deprived? Like, what do I feel like I'm missing out on? I mean, we, we talk about these things being, that's what being mindful is all about. And it's, it's about, yeah, thinking, not that I want you to overanalyze things, but I want you to really chat when you're running the abstinence experiment, it's all about challenging yourself to being happier. Yeah. I, yes, there's, what people don't understand too, is there's all this biochemistry crap Mm. that, we were, we hear constantly. It's, it's so 
you're not run by your chemistry. Now we know that because people spontaneously, they call it spontaneous remission, spontaneously change. Yep. Now all the time. Now here's what's, what's so wild. We, we have this, this term called spontaneous remission as if it's some rare phenomenon. <laughs> okay. We spontaneously change and evolve as human beings daily. Yeah. Daily. In many different ways. In many different ways with old habits, billions and billions of times worldwide, globally, it's happening constantly where people say to themselves, I'm getting a divorce today. And they do. And they move on. And they do it in a day. They decide one day, I'm going to go get my driver's license. And they never look at their bicycle again. They look at uh, somebody they've been in love with for 20 years. And they finally say, let's go out on a date. They change th their careers. They, they stop drinking or drugging. They stop taking cocaine. This is really common because cocaine oh, has yeah. a, a real high. 99% yeah. like, and, like total I, I, people solving that problem. It's and, and I've heard it for 34 years. How many people like us did blow and then all of a sudden one day go, this is super yeah, expensive and stupid and I'm done with it. Or smoking cigarettes. Yep. Smoking cigarettes. I mean that um, the majority of people that quit just put it down and don't do it again. Right. As an aggregate, it's the most commonly quit substance numbers wise in the world. So, so it doesn't have to be a process, but if the propaganda that you've believed the benefit, the false benefits, the perceived benefits that aren't there, if you deeply believe in them, you have to be willing to say it's all bullshit. Now the book goes through it, how it's all bullshit, but let's say that you've been a believer your whole life. Mm -hmm. You grew up in an Irish family, Irish American family who are all heavy drinkers, all believe in the mythology deeply. Not every Irishman in that situation drinks. Many of them stop. Many of them one day stop. How do they do that? Well, they look at it and they go, that's fucking nonsense. The, the empirical evidence, the objective reality is their lives are fucking garbage, right? <laughs> Do, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying everybody in, I'm saying in this hypothetical situation. So, and then, and then they just move on with their lives. They allow themselves to change. So the, one of the things you might have to do in the beginning when you're learning the freedom model and all this new information is say, am I willing to, would I be willing today to let go of my old beliefs? Am I even willing to do that? Or am I defending them inside myself? Right. That is important for you to ask I hang on to them because, I mean, you know, when you're a kid and you believe in Santa Claus, right? I believed in Santa Claus. Oh, good, yeah. and, and I think I was about seven years old and my sister was five. I mean, I think we were like seven and five and my dad, you know, that's kind of young. My dad was like, to, wanted to tell us the truth about Santa Claus and I was devastated. I, so much so that I held on to that belief. I did not want to believe him that Santa wasn't real and held on to it. I think until I was about 10 years old when like 
other kids were like talking about that. There's no, you know, there's no Santa, there's no Santa. And, uh, and I'm, but cause I had actually one night coming back from, from mass, we were coming back from mass on Christmas Eve and, um, and I swore to God, I heard sleigh bells. Like it was midnight mass. So it was the middle of the night and I swore. And my mother kept saying, you know, you got to get to bed. Santa's going to be here any minute. And I was, and I, I heard slave like to this day, that is what I heard. Now who the hell knows what I heard when I was a kid, but I, my belief was so strong because of my personal experience with hearing sleigh bells and thinking I saw Santa in the sky that, that I, that I held on to it even after there was so much evidence that that it was my parents that were bringing the presents. You know what I mean? So look at, I, I should have warned people if your kids are listening, <laughs> but, but so, um, so yeah, it's when you hang on to that mythology for so long and your personal experience seems to have reinforced it, but what you caught, that's, that's like a selective remembrance. I have an, I have this a similar one. I grew up in a German family, so the Santa Claus. If you're seeking a solution to your substance use problems that doesn't label you for life or make you go to daily meetings with strangers and instead shows you how you can solve your problem and create the life you truly want, then you've come to the right place. The Freedom Model is for you. The Freedom Model program options allow you to continue to live your life, learn the Freedom Model on your schedule, and implement what you're learning immediately in your daily life. The Freedom Model online program consists of more than 20 hours of video lessons taught by Mark and me. There are two to three lessons per chapter to guide you through the Freedom Model text. We have also included our lessons, the mind and the brain, the binge construct, and life movements. You'll get digital copies of our book, our workbook, additional lessons, and their worksheets, and our audiobook. Included with the online program is the Freedom Model for the Family online program and books, new Freedom Model quick lessons posted weekly, the Freedom Model monthly newsletter, the 12-step deprogramming seminar series, and a monthly two-hour members-only live question and answer webinar with Mark and me. To enroll in the Freedom Model online program, go to online.thefreedommodel.org or click on the link thing didn't make sense because we would open our presents on Christmas Eve, oh. uh, which was, is the German tradition. So for us, it was St. Nicholas. It was a Catholic right. thing. Um, so I kind of missed out on the Santa Claus thing. But here's what's interesting. I did it with the Easter bunny. I remember, <laughs> I remember, I don't know what age I was, but me and my sister went out on the trail system behind our house looking for the bunny. And I swear to God, it, it was so visceral. I remember thinking it was so exciting that we were yes. going to find the Easter bunny. And, uh, and, and I remember, I remember this. I can remember the, where we were going down on the sand trail and I was like, we're going to see him. We're going to see him. And, and then I also knew that logically none of it made sense. So I had this really weird thing and a drinking and drugging habit. When you read the freedom model is a lot like that. Like yes. you, you start reading and you know, you know that the the objective reality is is that this has been a giant shit show for you, right? And, right. And and it's been horribly dissatisfying, but at the same time satisfying. But when you learn that it's that it's actually all in your head based on beliefs, and that the 
effect of booze or drugs, the physical effect is really all you're getting out of this whole scene. It's a letdown. It is a letdown. It's a letdown. And you have to allow yourself to feel that and say, wow, I've imbued magic like I did when I went on the trail system to look for the Easter bunny. I really felt him. Yeah. And then it slowly started to fade as we got back there. And it, that day I realized there was no Easter bunny. And and I was kind of let down. We got home and the magic was over. Yeah, it is a bummer. Yeah. And but but there's a freedom in getting older and not believing in the Easter bunny, right? I mean, that's that's that has small consequences, well, but there's a huge freedom in not believing that heroin is a warm blanket for your emotions. That's such a radical propagandist thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, and there's a huge freedom in being able to create your own magic, so to speak. Right. Yeah. So to be in control of your objective reality. Yeah. So, so when I had my own children and, and I had to make a decision and like, are we going to do the whole Santa Claus Easter bunny thing? I'm like, yeah, we're going to do it. We like a lot of, a lot of, parents of our ages now there was that question of i'm not gonna lie to my kids i'm not gonna teach them about magic that isn't there or whatever how sad i know i thought no that was an important part of my life like like understanding like not only is there a huge freedom in being able to create your own magic but but knowing that it is in your mind. Yeah, that you have an imagination. Yes. Image, image, imagination, that you have imagery. And it's important to know that we, the magic is in building a business. Like you imagine it yes. and then you build it. You imagine having a wonderful marriage and then you make it happen by the work it takes necessary to do that. You have you have goals, you have objectives that you, uh, objective, right? Yes. Objective reality. So, so it, there's a reason why we have free will. There's a reason why we are driven by the pursuit of happiness. The question is, what are you piling your mental resources into? Mythology that's going to land flat and maybe painful and have huge trade-offs in the negative side. Or do you pick things that have uh, maybe a more realistic look. Now, that's not to say that living in a fantasy world is necessarily a bad thing. It has a time and a place in your yeah. bedroom with your wife or husband or whatever. Um, just being an artist, right? Right. Being a writer, being a, a musician, entrepreneur. Uh, that this is where imagery and and being creative and creating something out of nothing is how the world has changed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you honestly think, I mean, here's a question. Do you honestly think if people are driven by their biochemistry completely, if you had no ability to think freely, if you had no ability to think critically, because I really, if you're driven by your biochemistry, yeah, there is no observer and there's no creator within you. Right. Then would the, there be space shuttles? I, I, I was going to use that as the example. We always use that. I mean, think about the level of detail to get into space in, in 1968 when they went on the yeah, moon. I think it was 68. I, I, it, was, it was unheard of. Like With less power than you have on your cell phone. Yeah. Right? You, you went hundreds of thousands of miles out into space where there's no oxygen. You land on a fucking planet, and then you come back safely. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's – And you do it a few times, right? So this is such a – if you don't have an imagination, if you didn't have the positive drive, 
if you couldn't think of fantasies or goals or so there's a there's a time and a place now if you go into a drug experience with the same sort of thing that you're looking for i'm going to trip on acid and have a good trip and i'm going to go to the show and i'm going to i'm going to fucking freak out and dance all night and be crazy and hit on the girls you will now, unless some bad thing happens that you have no control over, a meteor lands in your lap, guess what? It's going to go bad. Yeah. But but the point is, um, whatever whatever you go into that drug experience, drinking, if expectations. you say, yeah, the expectancy result, right? Um, I'm going to go to the bar and try and hook up. So that becomes your goal. And 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 you know, so what whatever, or you say, I want to let go of my trauma. Guess what? then that physical buzz will be interpreted as letting go of your trauma. Now you have a distraction to let go of your trauma. It, it doesn't, trauma didn't cause the use. Um, the, the drug didn't take away the trauma. It was all you yeah. playing the game of being a human that has free will, autonomy, and a positive drive. Those rules, those attributes, those inherent realities of your human psyche can never be extinguished. They're just going to be laid out there by however you decide. And you are your mind. You are your decision-making. And, and so you're always in control. So people want to always go to this biochemistry argument. But the problem with that is biochemistry is a chemical. It is not a thought. Hmm. So there has to be an observer and a creator. And that creator is your free will and your mind. Then you have biochemistry. Then you have neuroplasticity as a result of this mindfulness, this ability, soul, psyche, whatever you want to call it. Um, there has to be an observer. That's you. There has to be some objective thing called a mind or else the brain can't do anything. Hmm. It's exactly right. I want to I wanted take a scenario that came up yesterday. I had a, a, a session with someone and and, you know, it was someone who had been abstinent for a long time uh, in AA <clears throat> and then left AA. And then about a year later, you know, she discovered she left AA, discovered the freedom model, got the book, read it, you know, <clears throat> and. And. Decided to go back to drinking, you know, and run those experiments to see to see how it would go. And so when, when you read the freedom model after you've had 10, you know, a decade of AA and she also grew up in it, like I did and Mark did, <clears throat> I'm sorry, I have a little frog. Um, and we're both getting over, uh, we're still getting yeah. over this COVID. So <clears throat> when, when you do that and then you start to run the experiments again and like the, the thinking is terribly insidious because if you even have that question, if you still have that question in your mind of, mm, am I, am I in control? Like, like, can I just have two drinks and then no more? But what about when I, so you start kind of getting confused because you'll have a drink and then you'll have a second drink and then you'll be like, why do I want another drink? You know, and then you just, you probably the first few times you might be like, fuck it. And you get wasted. Well, 
what you're describing though, again, is the lack of mindfulness. Yes. Um, you have to take the intellectual part, which is the understanding that in that book, that all the research, you have to study it and say, okay, the drug we know objectively cannot go into the realm of my mind. Right. It's not going to, it's not going to change my thoughts. It's not going to go from a molecule form into the metaphysical realm of selective thoughts and, or even affect biochemically in your brain, select thoughts and make you feel better. Right. It can't do that because it's bloodbound. It's all over in your brain. It's affecting all kinds of things in your brain and making you a sloppy mess or making you a hyper mess, right? It's, it doesn't know what you're thinking. But now I'm going to ask you this. I want you to answer it. Okay. So, so, but, but here you go. You're mindfully experimenting with alcohol. And so you, you have two drinks in quick succession and you feel that nice little buzz. And you're okay. Like, stop right there. First, if you have two drinks in quick succession, what is your motive? To feel that nice little buzz. Right. <laughs> right. So, and then you have to think if I'm going for that nice little buzz, is there more to what I'm trying to accomplish? Am I trying to leave and not pay my bills? Am I trying to get the courage to call the hooker? Am I trying to uh, tell my husband to go fuck himself? Am I trying, <laughs> what am I trying to make? Or, or am I just trying to get like, am I, I think for many people, it's trying to get that. I just want to relax. Okay. I want to leave for a little while. Yep powerful myth though it sure is it so sure is. so what that tells me is you know you're not ready you're not ready you're gonna you're gonna continue to drink because you believe that alcohol actually will take you away like calgon in the 70s right i mean you believe that so the goal then of running that experimentation and this is this is kind of what what we came to is okay to have those couple drinks in quick succession i'm gonna sit with that and really see, okay, I'm interpreting this and I, I, I like the sensation. I like the tickle. Um, it's, I find it pleasant. I'm just going to sit with that and, and really see if that's enough. That, that's right. That's right. Now you brought up something. I think that's really important. And that is, but if you believe in loss of control, don't even do the experiment. Right. Don't even do the experiment because you're wasting your time. If you believe in loss of control at all, even a slight vestige that it exists, don't do the experiment because you're you're gonna you're going to manifest losing control. Then you will blame the alcohol and you will feel like a failure. Yes. Then you have to go all the way back to the beginning in the freedom model, go through all the research. Yeah. And undo that loss of control myth, uh, appendix A, appendix B, get rid of the biochemistry argument, the brain disease, the biohacked brain argument. You got to get rid of all that shit. Stop, and you have to go through learned connections, get rid of the idea that trauma, stress, anxiety, cause addiction. You need to go through causes versus reasons so you understand the difference. There's, you know, there's so much information. So if you have, but all of it, Every piece of it is wrapped up in loss of control. Yeah. So when, when you get rid of loss of control and you know that loss, I guarantee you'll, you'll probably never drink problematically or drug problematically. You'll move on with your life. Now I have another scenario. Okay. That I know that there are people in our groups that 
are struggling with. Okay. So now I, I don't drink heavily anymore. And, and this is interesting because when I, cause I had this experience when I first went back to drinking, not that I was worried I was out of control, but, but Mark and I, when we, when we started drinking moderately again, we ran different experiments because that's what we're researchers. That's what we do. And we, we really work to objectively figure this stuff out. And, and I went through a phase and where, where I was having a glass or two of wine almost every night. Right. And, and there is this, um, and, and objectively, I'm going to tell you, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. There are many people that live that way their entire lives and have zero problem with it. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's but I remember thinking I shouldn't be doing this. Like, I remember there was still so much of that, that fear-based bullshit. Yes. In yeah. my mind, um, that, that I had this, I had to reevaluate my beliefs about everything, even though I had been abstinent 20 years, even though I wasn't drinking to excess, you know, and, but there was still this, and, and the truth of the matter was I, I would go, you know, a couple weeks and I would have a glass or two of wine every night. And then I would go a couple weeks with no wine. And I kind of went back and forth because I was trying to figure it out. Like, my goal, and ultimately your goal, I think, with the freedom model is to to have it be a non-issue. Yeah. It's, to it, not feel yeah. guilty if I decide, if I go through a phase where I decide I want to have a glass of wine every night. Who gives a shit? Who cares? If I go through a phase where, you know, where once a week I like to tie one on, who cares as long as I'm safe about it? There's, there's a couple of things that you mentioned, but I want to, I want to say something to the audience. So some of you, some of you on the group and, and in, in correspondence with us have said to me and Michelle, you know, that you ask all these questions, and which is I, awesome. It is awesome. But then you say, I say, have you read the book? Well, I just started it or I'm listening to the podcasts. If you're struggling and you're listening to the podcast and you're perusing through the book and you're struggling, you have a lot of work to do. Yeah. Stop playing games with yourself because, and this, I, you know, I'm going to say it. I'm just, because I've been doing this for 34 years. This isn't the sort of thing that you can do halfway because you don't drink and drug halfway. Mm. So the mythology that you've invested in is so dramatic and thorough in a diabolically bad way that if you're struggling, you're struggling because you can't undo it with the knowledge that you're getting at this stage. So don't fuck around. Mm, that's a good point. Read the book, study it. If you're not a reader, get the audio book, listen to it 14 times. If that's what it takes. If that doesn't work, we have the Freedom Model online program where we teach in tutorials on pre-recorded video, more than 95 videos now. It started with 65. We have 95 videos plus an entire AAD programming series in there. Freedom Model for the Family is in there. I mean, there's so much. There's live Q&As we do. There's a newsletter. There's all this stuff. We built that for the people like me and like her who needed a hell of a lot more deprogramming than the average Joe that had six beers a night for a year. Right. Okay. So, so, and then you may do that 
and you may be so steeped and so deeply screwed up with the, the mythology, like I was, like she was, that you need a person to talk to. Then you have coaching. We provide every single service to get you to the place to where we can undo this well-entrenched, diabolically bad mythology. So, but, but don't play games. Don't, don't think if you're struggling and you're just watching the podcast, expecting things to change or some light bulb to go on. I think, I think the podcast is great. I think the book is great. I think the FMOP is great online program. I think our videos on, on YouTube are great. Right. I think our videos on TikTok are great. And there are now literally tens of thousands of people that contact us yearly that say it changed my life. Oh yeah. But we have a lot more people, to be honest, more than 25,000 who have come through our retreats, talked with us, spent time with us, done coaching, and, and they needed more. So just identify what you need yeah, and don't play the game of wasting two, three years listening to a podcast and feeling like a failure thinking this should be easy because for some of us, it wasn't. But for many people, it is. I want to tell you on how the level of mythology. I want to tell you how not easy it is. We actually had one of our podcast listeners in our group talk about something that I said that I said in a podcast about cannabis. It was, uh, I don't oh, know how easy it is to get off track. Right? Well, because yeah. what I said in the podcast was that cannabis, that that experience I had with cannabis, that it made me paranoid. Right. I mean, how insidious is this belief system that the vernacular that we use, I didn't even realize what I was saying when I said it, because what I really meant to say, because I, I misspoke, but I misspoke based on these, these mythological beliefs was that, well, it, it, it did increase my heart rate and my heart was racing. And I interpreted that in a negative way. Like right. I interpreted right. that as, as feeling anxious, like super anxious and paranoid. And, you know, when you're in your fifties and your heart starts racing, I mean, I, I don't know. I was, I was pretty sure at that moment that I was going to die. So like, like, so that, that was the interpretation that I had based on the physical effects that I was feeling. Um, now I have since that time had experiences with cannabis that weren't that way. Okay. So, so my interpretation has changed, which is really how much control you really do have in interpreting the physical effects you're getting from well, substances. Well, it's all an interpretation, right? Yes. The physical effects, uh, are relatively um, consistent. You know, if you're drunk, you know that if you're driving a car, you're not going to drive as well as you could, right? Right. So reaction time slowed. Right. Things, right. Your neurological processes slow down. Yeah. So the physical ramifications of drugs are relative. I say relatively because uh, some people's biochemistry works differently, and their metabolism works differently, especially with amphetamines. But but the point is is how is it possible that one molecule, whether it's meth or, or whatever class of drugs you're taking, can have infinitely varied behavior behind it? You know, right. And and when we that's when we start to realize that it's human beings making decisions while their bodies are in, are are under the influence. Their bodies are under the influence of the drug, not their psyche, not their emotions. That's all us interpreting it. Um, but I just want to. I just want to say it's really important that, and I want to end on this. It's really important if you're struggling 
take the freedom model to the next level. We built this step up in, in intensity of lessons for a reason. We did. And recognize your progress. Okay. Because this question yeah, is be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself. This question yeah. is, is it normal? Is it normal to, to go back to the, the, the previous style of usage, even in little spits, you know what I mean? Like it can be, it can be, they don't, but, but look at it as a process of learning. Okay. Of learning and be mindful when you're doing it, be mindful when you're doing it, challenge what you think you're getting. Remember that question that I always say, if you, if you come to, you know, a day where you have a bad day and you're like, I'm just going to get drunk. Stop. Be mindful. Think, what if I don't get drunk tonight? Can I be happier if I don't get drunk tonight? Am I going to get from alcohol what I think I want, what I think I need from it? Am I going to get from benzodiazepines or whatever? And then if you still struggle because you have this internal dialogue that's really painful almost, mm-hmm. and, well, then you need more study. Yeah. You need more study of the research to undo that framework. You need to dismantle the construct of mythology. Yes. That's how I, I'm, I want you to imagine this cage around. You're dismantling it so you can be free. The disco ball. Yeah. Remember the disco the ball? Disco ball? Right, Smash taking, that sucker. You're taking all those little glass shiny object in your mind, that construct, and you're dismantling it so that you can be free. Yeah. So just be, be honest with yourself. Now, one, the last thing I want to say is in the book, we talk about it being easy. And people think we're being dismissive. It's easy once you have this emotional, once you internalize the information, you take it from intellect, you make it an emotional thing where you're like, I get it. Yes. And my positive drive is going to move in that direction and I'm going to be free. Then it's easy. I, I mean, I don't do anything for recovery and haven't for, I don't know, 30 years. Me neither. Me neither. It's, it's a non-issue. It's a non-issue. You'll get there. You You'll will, get there. For sure. You just got to do what it takes to get there. And you need to know what, what style of freedom model product you need. Yep. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Happy St. Patrick's Day. This is going to come out right before St. Patrick's Day, which is why I got my green on. He kind of a little bit. <laughs> All right, everybody. Green. So I think our next one is we're going to, we're interviewing um, a nice, smart woman from the doctor patient forum talking about, uh, opiate prohibition, which is happening, which is happening even for people that need opiates for pain. That's right. So slowly our country is, is taking pain pills away from people that need them and putting people on Suboxone. There's a huge push by the government to do this. And we want to talk about the tragedy of that. Yeah. All right. Bye everybody. Take care. this one I'll be paid. yeah that one was wicked wicked good wicked good it was like we're ba- ba- we're on we're back on I don't know what is happening don't touch let it run walk away walk away all right it did it, it did. oh wait a minute having trouble connecting please check your internet connection We want to send you a free copy of our revolutionary book, The Freedom Model for Addictions. 
To help us bring this incredible gift to you, we ask that you pay a small fee for shipping. Learn how tens of thousands of people have permanently solved their addictions without steps or meetings and make 2023 your best year yet. Give yourself or someone you love the gift of total freedom from addiction. Click on the link to get your free copy sent to you today. Are you struggling with a drug or alcohol problem, but you don't want to go to rehab or group meetings? That's why we created the non-12-step Freedom Model Coaching Program in 2011. Through video conferencing on Zoom or Skype, you can work privately with a certified Freedom Model Coach from your home or office on your schedule. And here's the best part. With the Freedom Model, you'll never be labeled an addict or an alcoholic. And we won't tell you to go to 12-step meetings or hamper your life with endless recovery rituals. Instead, you can learn exactly why addiction isn't a disease and how you can solve the problem for good and move on with your life. Do you want to be completely free from your addiction? Do you want to never have to attend meetings, rehabs, or addiction counseling ever again? And do you want to solve your problem from the comfort of home? Then call us at 888-424-2626 to talk with a Freedom Model coach today and experience the Freedom Model difference.